Hey guys, welcome back. It's Dr. Radicky, Dr. Rad, and I am here today to talk to you about having a bad hair day. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> you guys have got to check these videos out because it's just me at home uh, in front of a microphone just talking to myself. Um, but I hope you guys are enjoying it. Today I'm going to talk about weight loss surgery and which one is right for you. I, I just, um, I don't know, this is such a unique conversation. I, I don't think that uh, anything really prepares you for this uh, talk with your patients. And I, and I just, I don't know, I wish we did a better job of that in uh, residencies and fellowships. In fact, I'll be honest with you, I, I don't think we do a good job of it at all as far as physicians go. I mean, what... Our practice, I don't know if you guys know this, but most of our practices as physicians are just watching other physicians. And it's none of us had great formal training by any stretch of the imagination. You know, when you go in to tell somebody they have um, they have a terminal disease like, like cancer or something, and it, it takes the emotional toll on the physician. I know it's nowhere near what it's putting on the family and the patient, but it you share in that in... And then you do it many times uh, in a day, in a week, in a month, in a year, and over your career. Um, you know, the times that you have to walk out and say, I'm so sorry your loved one didn't make it. Um, I mean, these things, these things, unless you're a robot, uh, these things take their toll on you. And if you take that and you kind of roll it over into... How about how about tough conversations like uh, you're you, you're ready to lose your kidney? Uh, how about conversations like, um, hey, listen, we we may have to remove your um, arm, you know, because you were in a car accident and it's you know it's just it's going to be lifeless. Uh, you know these kind of conversations, and then you can even roll it into weight loss surgery conversations. Things like, hey, you know why why are you here and what do you want? And in theory, um, what is it we're after and what's going to get you there? And what are you experiencing in your life now that um, could inhibit you from having one procedure or the other? Or maybe you're experiencing things that would kind of promote you getting one over the other. And so uh, let's just kind of go down that avenue. I'm going to take you through kind of a conversation that, that I have with my patients and... Um, and we'll go from there. So when someone walks into to my office and we're here to discuss weight loss surgery, I can tell you, and I think the majority of my patients will tell you, the first question I ask them is, what are you doing here? And I know that sounds like the dumbest question ever. Mm. But we, we are kind of taught, at least kind of taught, taught, taught us a couple of things, uh, to op to ask open-ended questions, and what that means is just kind of open the door for some conversation. So, not a point-blank fact question like "How old are you?" You know, it's I'm I'm 17. You know, that's it. That's all you're gonna get. Um, but if you ask a question like "What are you doing here?" and funny enough, I mean, hopefully my patients know um, that I know what they're doing there. You know, I've looked at the chart. We've talked. You know, I've kind of seen their name on the chart, and I've kind of done my preemptive strike. But when you when you come in in the room and you say, "What are you doing here?" and they kind of look at you, and, and most of them get a little grin on their face. They're like, "I am here because, you know, whatever. I, I need to lose some weight. I need this. I need that." And usually, it's kind of a a one liner, you know, kind of thing. And again, 
that is absolutely fine. You know, most of them are here. You know, I'm here to lose some weight. I, I want to be healthier. And then you you have to fire right back with a, another open-ended question, which is something like, "Well, what does that mean? I don't even know what that. I don't know what that means. What does it mean to be healthier?" And then they end up, you know, kind of um, um, saying something to the effect of, you know, I I I I want. Uh, my uh, blood pressure to be better. I want to. I want to be able to. You know, kind of chase my kids around. I want. I want. And then you're like, yeah, that's it. What else? What else? What? And you just keep saying, what else? And eventually, within just the first five minutes, you have gotten the patient to really reflect on a lot of things. And, and what you're reflecting on is, what is it you're really doing in my house? Right, and what you're doing in my house, meaning, what do you want? There's no way you just want to lose weight. That can certainly be a large part of it, right? But what is losing weight going to get you? Like, is it worth having surgery? Is it worth you know, the, you know, all the things that go with that? Um, and so then you're asking the question, okay? So, what does losing weight mean? Does it mean you're going to get off your blood pressure medication? Does it mean you're going to not have to take your cholesterol medication anymore? Does it mean uh, you're going to be able to keep up with your kids at Disney, right? Does it mean you're going to be able to, you know, bend over and tie your shoes and not have to wear slip-ons anymore? Does it mean that um, you're going to fit into that little dress, right? Does it mean that um, you're not going to feel older than you should? Does it mean you're going to get rid of that stupid sleep apnea mask? Does it mean you're going to decrease your, your chances of a heart attack and you're going to certainly live longer? Does it mean you're going to have an eightfold decrease in your cancer risk? Does it mean... That um, you're gonna feel better about yourself when you look in the mirror. What what is it? What does it mean? You know. And I literally will tell my patients, okay, we've started a list, but I want you to go home and every little thing you think about, everything, I want you to write it down, everything. So when you start the conversation of which weight loss surgery is right for you, you have to start with the the question, what are you doing here? You know, what are you what are you going to walk into that surgeon's office and ask them to operate on you for? What is this for? Um, and it's okay. Some of those, you know, some of those may feel superficial. Some of you may not have one iota of medical problems, right? And that's because you're young, right? And the weight hasn't gotten you yet, uh, but it will. Eventually, you will develop the medical problems associated with obesity. So I think that that's a great place to start. And then once you answer the question of why you're there, like what are you doing here, then I think you can start asking the question of, okay, well, it's like saying I, I need to get to uh, to Tampa, and I live over here in you know Vero Beach. How am I going to get there? Right? Then you can say, well, you know, do you want to take uh, uh, the the you know the Prowler, <laughs> or do you want to take the Mercedes? Would you like to take the Ferrari today? How about the helicopter or the G6, right? I mean, let's. We, I mean, there's a million ways to get to Tampa. How are we going to get you there? And then, you know, believe it or not, there's the trick question is, well, if all of those things are going to get you to Tampa, what's, what's the easiest? You know, what's the most efficient, you know? And those are all good questions. Okay, so let's let's back down. Let's knock out. Um, let's just talk about the top two. The top two surgeries performed for weight loss, right? 
Uh, we can briefly touch on the duodenal switch, which will be a number three. Um, that's fine. I will not talk about bands because I do not do them anymore. I think it's uh, wrong to do them for the most part. Uh, there are probably a certain subset of patients who do do very, very, very well with a band. Um, I just think it's so rare and that the complication rates some point down the road are too risky. Uh, so And it ruins, it ruins really good tissue for a really great native or first surgery uh, for a bypass or a sleeve, which are much better options than, than a band. So we, we're not going to touch on that. Okay, so let's talk about the sleeve. All right, so the sleeve gastrectomy has become exceptionally popular. Uh, it's fairly easy to do. Um, I'm, I'm hoping most surgeons can certainly finish it in under an hour. Um, I think uh, the shortest I've ever done one is 27 minutes skin to skin. The longest was probably three hours and 27 minutes skin to skin. So it just kind of depends on what you got to do uh, while you're in there. Um, the, usually you have some pretty significant nausea in the first 24 hours or so, but after that it really curbs off pretty quickly, and then you do really, really well. Uh, the numbers are somewhere between 65 and 70% of your excess weight loss at the first year. Um, the problems are weight regain. Yeah, some great 10-year studies came out showing anywhere over 30%, 30 to 35% weight regain over 10 years. Now, hey, let's think about that. If you lose 100 pounds and you gain back you know, 30 of it, I mean, is that the end of the world? That's a whole heck of a lot better than, you know, any old regular diet, I can tell you that. So, I mean, you're still doing great. You're still doing great. So, that's it's, you know, it's a wonderful surgery. All right. Well, why would one choose the sleeve over, let's say, a bypass? Well, okay. So, you have a 70 to 75% chance of, you know, getting rid of your diabetes. You have upwards of a 90% chance of getting rid of your sleep apnea. You have upwards of an 80 to 90% getting rid of your cholesterol issues. You're certainly going to lose plenty of weight, so your joints are going to get better. Uh, your, your fatty liver is going to get better. You know Your blood pressure has this 65 to 75% chance of getting better. There you go. Those are great numbers, numbers that you'll never reach with medications alone, right? and certainly with dieting alone. Um, what are things that would hold you back from a sleeve? And I would tell you that... Uh, number one, uh, at least in my book, is severe reflux. If you have reflux that is recalcitrant or it is, it is, not, it is resistant to medication, it is a really tough road to hoe to get a sleeve because sleeves typically make your reflux worse. Um, I think the majority of patients would tell you that. Typically, though, if, if you don't have reflux and you do get it, a little purple pill or something like that's going to fix it. If you have some reflux but it's well controlled on medication, then again, it, that doesn't stop me from doing uh, a sleeve because I, I'm assuming that you're going to stay controlled on your medication and um, as you lose weight, that reflux will get certainly better. Uh, again, you also have to know, and here's, here's a kind of uh, a nice sideliner, if you have severe reflux, you may have it for a reason, like a hiatal hernia or something like that, or, or you know, an element of gastroparesis. So remember that, and of course you can fix the hiatal hernia while you're in there. Um, and a hiatal hernia is our whole nother talk, so we'll, we'll, we'll knock that out at another point. But 
Reflux is certainly uh, an inhibitor, right? So if you have bad reflux and it's not well controlled, or you're the one that's like, dude, I'm swallowing a bottle of Tums on top of my protonics, you know, then I would theoretically stand clear of that. All right, so that's one reason not to do a sleeve. Um, sleeves also, in my opinion, need more discipline, right? It is. We talked uh, in one of our talks. You should go back and listen to it. Is um, the history of weight loss surgery and we talked about two big categories right one being uh restriction which is you know portion control right and that's what a sleeve does right we're going to trim off about 85 percent of your stomach uh so you are portion controlled you're going to take four to six bites and you're going to be full you're going to be like yeah I'm, I'm, I'm done i'm done um bypasses obviously we'll talk about in a minute but they take advantage of two two ways right restriction portion control or and malabsorption right sleeves don't have malabsorption so that's that's a good thing um one of the you know things you, since you're not malabsorbing uh if you have an element of iron deficiency uh or if you have a low protein or albumin to start with uh sleeves are probably certainly safer than a bypass at that point that's something to consider it's not the end-all be-all but that's something to consider um but what i mean by the discipline is that you know portion control is an interesting an interesting concept i can give you a tool i can give you a sleeve and that sleeve is going to make it so that you eat four to six bites and you're full right okay so great hmm here's the problem though i didn't say you couldn't have one or two bites every 20 or 30 minutes Right, and if you did that, you could absolutely take in six thousand calories a day, regain all your weight back, no problem. So that leads us to Radicke's rules, which is going to be a whole nother talk. But that is a simple way to fix these problems, and I'll I'll certainly tell you guys all about Radicke's rules. Um, and I'll just do a whole talk on it. In my opinion, it's it's good for weight loss for people, and it's good for uh, you know, the not weight loss surgery people. It's actually exactly how I try to live my life. So <laughs> I try, try, try and be the operative word. Nobody is perfect. I can guarantee you that. All right. So, so those are my kind of holdbacks from a sleep gastrectomy standpoint. Now let's switch roles and go to a gastric bypass. So when I'm talking to my patients about a gastric bypass, you know, I, I happen to love the gastric bypass. There's some bias there, right? I think it's a great surgery if done correctly. Um, Again, it can be done in under an hour, maybe an hour and 15 minutes on average. Um, it is a matter of uh, can you, um, are there, what are the things holding you back from a bypass? Well, okay, one, if you are extremely obese, like very, very high BMI, you can absolutely, it could be a very tough surgery to do. It is, this is not for the weak. Uh, gastric bypass is a tough surgery. Uh, there's two anastomoses to do, one with the small bowel to the stomach and one with small bowel to small bowel. Uh, there, you got to move small bowel all the way up to the high end of the stomach. The liver can absolutely be in your way. I mean, this is not an easy surgery. Neither is the sleeve for that matter, uh, but I think it's a little easier than a bypass. Having said that, um, bypasses are the greatest anti-reflux operation uh, known to man as far as I know. Uh, it has about a 92.5% chance of fixing or curing your reflux, which is awesome, right? I mean, the, the Nissen fundoplication, which is second place, is the best, 
you know, uh, surgery just specifically for reflux, and it's about 85%. So, I mean, the bypass is the best. There's no question about it um, for good reason, right? So if you have severe reflux and it's not, you know, your pill ain't getting the job done, boy, you get a twofer with a bypass, right? You, you get to lose all this weight and get much healthier and you get your reflux taken care of. I mean, it's amazing. I'll walk into people's rooms the next day and be like, hey, how's your reflux? They're going to be like, what reflux? <laughs> like, it's it's amazing. Okay, so that's a real good reason to have a bypass. And others are that you, you know, the numbers are a little bit better, right? I say that, I always tell people they're 10 to 15% better in every category. So they're 10 to 15% better in your diabetes, uh, cholesterol, hypertension, sleep apnea. I mean, these things, they're just 10 to 15, even weight loss, right? We expect 80% excess weight loss at, at one year. One of the things I love about a bypass is that it keeps the weight off. I mean, we've done long-term studies where people regain on average 10% of their weight at 10 years and 20% of their weight at 20 years. I mean, so it's that's phenomenal. You lose 100 pounds, you want to gain 10 back in 10 years and 20 back in 20 years, you're doing great, right? The problem is everybody knows someone who, who gained all their weight back, right? And you can do it. It's, it's Again, it's a portion thing, right? You can find yourself eating all day long. Now... Having said that, there are a couple of things that would hold you back, right? One is, uh, we already talked about being a very high BMI can be tough surgery. That might be one of those situations where you do a sleeve first and hopefully you crush it and never need anything further. But if you lose 100 pounds, but you started off at uh, 400, well, then we can turn around and do a bypass and you'll you know lose another 100, right? And that's, that's the best part. Um, other things, iron deficiency anemia uh, is an issue, right? Because you malabsorb uh, iron significantly after a bypass. And, and we tell everybody after all weight loss surgeries, you have to know this. There is absolute must, sleeve or bypass. You have to take your vitamins every single day. You have to take an iron and you have to take calcium. You have to. I mean, some of the top diseases facing women every single day are osteoporosis, which is iron deficiency and weak bones. And iron deficiency anemia, right? And so then we're going to make it worse with a bypass because we're going to malabsorb calcium and iron, right? So you have to take these things. If you take them and your surgeon doesn't bypass like huge amount of al, then you're going to be just fine. You're going to be just fine. But if you're already starting off with significant anemia, iron deficiency anemia of unknown origin or unknown cause... Bypass is something you really need to consider uh, because, uh, or consider not doing because it will cause worse iron deficiency anemia. Now you could do iron infusions, you know, once every few weeks to, you know, but insurance companies got to pay for that. They get expensive. Um, Some people just have genetically low albumin. That is something to think about. Um, Again, it's not a a gain, you know, it's absolute no, but you you know, you want to be, make sure that they are on top of their game with respect to getting their protein in afterwards. Um, other things uh, that you just kind of be mindful of with a bypass is that uh, bypasses are a little more prone to getting ulcers after surgery in their new little stomachs. Um, but why would you get an ulcer? I and mean, a huge majority of people don't. I think the last number I looked at was like 14% over their lifetimes can get an ulcer. But you know what? If you're taking a bunch of NSAIDs, you know, the, the ibuprofens and, you know, Motrins and Excedrins and Advils, stuff like that. If you're taking a bunch of those, you can get an ulcer anyway, whether you have a regular stomach or a bypass stomach or a sleeve stomach for that matter. But you're just a little bit more prone uh, if you've had a gastric bypass. So from that standpoint, I would be cautious 
Uh, if you are someone who just has horrible joint problems and you have to take you know, a bunch of ibuprofens or things of that nature every single day or you just don't function, then you have to be careful with the bypass. And then furthermore, um, I would tell you that um, with respect to uh, potentially if you're a smoker, Smokers have a tendency to get more ulcers. So again, if you can't quit smoking, um, then I would be careful with the bypass as well. But I got to be honest with you, all every single one of my patients have to quit smoking uh, before surgery. And as far as I'm concerned, they should never, ever, ever go back. Right? It's so bad for you. Uh, we could talk about that another time. But that, that I know it's tough. I'm not even remotely saying it's not tough. But my God, there is of all the things you should quit in your life that's certainly one of them um all right so those are kind of my my kind of tags as to you know why one would have one surgery over the other um i uh i just because the bypass may be 10 to 15 percent better doesn't mean you should always just jump to the bypass right like we said we're going to tampa do you want to take the mercedes amg or do you want to take the ferrari well they'll both get you to tampa and they're both awesome cars right so it just depends on your goals again it goes back to the question what are you doing here? And what do you want? Right? These are super good questions. So consider those and uh, please uh, ask lots of questions and give me some ideas for talks you'd like to hear in the future. Hope you're doing awesome and uh, have a great day.